0: what up dope family my name is Krista and I'm so excited about what God is doing here at Detroit Church and that you yes you get to be a part of it through things like our podcast we pray that this message will bless and encourage you wherever you may be in your journey of faith
1: Is writing to Christians and, and expressing that, hey, for what you have in front of you, you gotta grow up. Yeah. You gotta grow up into the faith. You cannot afford uh, to, to live or to continue in a lower or an immature expression of your faith. It is detrimental to you. So James is speaking to us in love but hard. Right? But it's in love because he knows what's at stake. He knows that for us to, to, to really live out the kind of expression of the gospel that the world needs, we have to be those that are willing to what? To grow up. Somebody say grow up. Now the problem is, is a few of us think, well, we're pretty grown, right? A few of us think, well, I kind of got a handle on this. I've been doing pretty good. I know some stuff. But let's see if uh, James could help even us. So last week, we talked about how we respond to trials, <clears throat> and this week, we'll talk about how we respond to the Word of God, how we respond to the Word of God. Now, what's, what's beautiful about uh, the Word of God is uh, there are so many different ideas about it, so many different uh, places and vantage points and perspectives um, I, I think I'm fortunate enough to be kind of positioned in a way where there's a lot of different conversations I have with people who feel a lot of different ways about the Bible. One of the things I find out is there are a lot of people who struggle with things in the Bible. They, they wrestle or grapple with things in the Bible, <coughs> and sometimes they don't always fight in a way that they keep the main thing the main thing. They have these issues with the Scriptures that kind of detract them uh, from actually continuing to develop their learning in the book. And one of the easiest examples I think I could give is, uh, uh, let's, let's say there was two guys having a conversation, and one guy said, you know, I don't like basketball. It just, I can't understand it. And the other guy says, oh, man, that's, cr- that's crazy. I love basketball. Tell me what your issue is. Maybe we can talk it out. Maybe we can help. And then the guy says, well, for starters, I don't like the way the aisles are set up. I don't like the logistics of it, like there's two 122s, there's a 122B, a 122A and B, it's confusing, I don't know what it sit. how can I enjoy the game if I don't even know how to find my seat? And the other guy says, okay, alright, alright, uh, I, I can see that, that can be a valid thing, but, but what is it about the game that you're struggling with, what about the game? And the guy says, uh, uh, and another thing, why are the concession stands so far away from the bathroom? Like that doesn't make sense. If I'm going to the contestant stand, I might need to go there. That messes me How can I enjoy the game if I can't even like, have my, my beverages and have everything in hand? Like, it's not even, it doesn't make sense logistically to me. And then the guy says, okay, all right, all right, that that could be a valid thing. I get that, that makes sense. You go to concession, you need to go to the other place. Okay, cool, that makes sense. But what is it about the actual game, like like the schemes, the plays? Like, what is it about that that you don't understand? He goes, no, 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 all that's cool. But you know what I really can't stand? The parking. Why do I got to park 20 minutes away and then walk, I got to take two Ubers and a Lyft just to get to the place? How can I enjoy the game of basketball if I can't even find a place to park sensibly? The guy by this time is going, while well, all of these concerns are valid. They make sense. But their biggest problem with the game isn't the game itself. What we, we find out when we start to talk about people's issues with the Bible. Usually it comes down to, where well, I don't like how this person popped up out of nowhere, that person went away, where did those people come from, how far is this, how long is that, didn't tell me how many years this is, that isn't exact. And we are so wrapped up in all of these other things, and hear me, hear me, I'm not saying they don't matter, I'm not saying they give us a pass to say, ah, that doesn't matter, let's ignore it, no. No, let's be clear. If it matters to people, it should matter to us because people matter to God and we're people of God. I'm saying it again, because there's some of you that think this, the silly question doesn't deserve an answer. Well, somebody answered your silly questions once upon a time. I do it all day long. And my point is, is that uh, the, 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 what matters to people should matter to us because people matter to God and we're people of God, right? So, it's not that those things aren't important, it's that those things about the Bible, those questions, which are valid and should be answered, somehow are still not the main thing of the scriptures. My heart hurts when I'm talking to these people and I'm hearing their issues and their their questions and, and they're not like, I went through the Bible and I couldn't see the nature and the character of God. They never say that. They don't say, I went through the Bible and and I couldn't see how God relates to this sinful people. How he just keeps loving them and keeps over and over forgiving them, sets up laws for their well being and to keep them in his face and in relationship with him. I don't see that. How many people have ever heard that objection? I read the Bible and I just can't see how loving and graceful God is. That's not the question, that's not their issues. Their issues come from, uh, I didn't see the right historical thing, or, or it didn't make sense perfectly to me. I, I think I see some holes in it. and as a, as a result, they've given themselves permission to not respond appropriately to the word of God. Now, why is this dangerous? Well, first off, let's be clear. God is holy, right? Which means he can't sin against you. He can't sin at all. God does not sin, cannot sin. Right? So, if God is holy, and the scriptures claim, which is also backed up by God, by Jesus, the exact image of God, is that every word of scripture is God-breathed. Or the word of God in such a way that to to disbelieve it, to to, to not respond to it's like not responding to God himself. And also... For those that might be sitting here with some issues, guess what? Out of all of the years that everybody in their grandmama has been scrutinizing the scriptures, do you know there has not been one actual error that speaks to the main point of the scriptures? There isn't one. There is no error in the Bible that speaks to its ultimate theme and its ultimate concentration, which is the nature, the person, the character of God, and what his redemptive plan is for all of us. There is no error there. There's no contradiction. There's no Bible verse that's going to contradict that idea. No, the main thing is still the main thing. If we're not careful, family, we will look at the Bible and see it as a book that was written by a guy a long time ago to a group of people a long time ago. And the thing about that is, if you don't believe it, if you don't read it, well, what's the big deal? It becomes a a philosophy or conjecture at that point. So you're going to hear me say some things today. And hear me, I'm not trying to disrespect the human author because he's amazing. If you don't know about James, you should read up about him, right? In Acts 15, he is a boss in the Jerusalem church. He's a nice guy. Like, he's, a, he's a good guy. We love James. Now, I hate on no James, but understand, this is bigger than just a man writing a book. This is God communicating his ideals for growth and maturity to us today. Why do you say all of that? What, what, why such a forceful introduction? Well, because if that ain't In order, if we don't have that in perspective, everything we're going to read today doesn't make sense. Without without having that in our minds, that the word of God is holy, everything else we're going to read today is real easy for you to go, yeah, it sounds good, but I don't know. But if he's holy, if it comes directly from God, if the book is, is ultimately about him and not about us, then we have to respond to it a certain way. Make sense? I want to say this, and then I promise I'm going to move on. In those conversations, because maybe you have them too, I'll help you here. When you're having a conversation with the Bible, about the Bible and someone has this contempt and, and, and they approach it through the lens of this negativity, understand that there are some people who view the scriptures through a lens of content and resentment that they believe God has toward them. if they believe that God isn't good to me, because if he were, he wouldn't allow this to happen, then they view the scriptures through that experience. So you coming to them, hey, look at this Bible verse my pastor said on Sunday. And they're like, huh. Because what you're running into is the trauma that they've experienced where they, because of their issues, are not allowing the Bible to penetrate the walls of their heart. What's worse, some of them are born again. James chapter 1, verse 19. I promise it's gonna make so much more sense now. You ready? Here it is. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. So everybody love them. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce righteousness unto God. Read it again. Uh, now my, now, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, here is where the Bible is really pretty. So, some of us are going to read this, and we're going to get real deep, all right? I need to be quick to hear. I don't know if y'all are like me. Sometimes when I'm reading, I replace the word with another word. We play that game in my house, like, how many words can you say, right? I'm trying to get my kids smart, I don't know, it's a nerdy thing, whatever. The, the idea is most of us, we hear that and we go, okay, I need to be quick to hear, I need to be instantaneous to hear, I need to, I need to grab this quick, uh, uh, and then I need to be slow to speak. Guess what? That has nothing to do with tempo. It's pretty, it sounds good. It's not about tempo. It doesn't mean speak slowly. This is what it means, right? So uh, 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 we have a, a mixed church. So some of you might have grown up in the house where if you were talking a lot as a kid, your parents would say, Hey, uh, I need you to be a little slower to speak. I grew up with my grandparents, 40 years my senior. They hadn't yet come on to some of our child psychology advancements. So when I was talking too much as a kid, guess what I heard? It wasn't be slower to speak, folks. <laughs> it was close your mouth <laughs> or shut up. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like like fast. And the idea here isn't. Uh, uh, let's just be slower to speak tell. It means we have to learn to listen, close our mouths. This is why James is beautiful. It's a short, pithy, these kind of one-liners, just like proverbs. These these kicks in the gut. Hey, uh, as it relates to how we respond, he says, be quick to hear, be slow to speak, be slow to get angry, because when you get angry, uh, uh, this anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, see the contrast, the anger of man, the boiling over of man's emotions and, and man's feelings does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, a lot of us will think, well, when I get mad, it's righteous indignation. Everybody thinks when they get mad, it's Jesus turning over the tables. <laughs> now, nah. sometimes you just get mad. Sometimes it's just your own fleshly anger. And, and James here is trying to help us because this affects how we respond to the word. This is powerful. This affects how we respond uh, to what is meant to help grow us up. He says, be slow to speak, be slow to anger, because that anger in you, that when it boils over, it does not produce a righteousness that glorifies God. And then the next verse, he says, listen, so you have to put away, and this is why I love the Bible, because this same phrase is in James, is in Paul says it, Peter says it, chapter 2, it's the same thing, we heard it just a few months ago in the Royal Series. Put away, therefore... All filthiness and rampant wickedness and wickedness, uh, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Put away all this filth. Uh, 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 I love David Guzik said the, the fluidity of naughtiness is <laughs> the way he translated that. Put away all of this filth, all of this rampant wickedness. In other words, uh, put away this sin. Everything that is not like our holy God, everything that our holy God would not do or lead you to do. He says, put away this stuff, get rid of this. Why? Because this stuff, all it does is glorify your flesh. There are some people who are okay with spilling over in their anger because when they are angry or, or they take control in some rageful moment, they feel for a second like they are in control of their lives. It's a huge deception that when you get mad and when you pop off and when you take this moment to say what you have really been wanting to say for months, but now nah, they didn't gave you an opening because they said something crazy or did something that now you feel like warrants, they'll pop off. I know we got a mixed church, so everybody may not know what the pop off is. All right, let's be clear: the pop off is the words and phrases you've been rehearsing, saying that you never say. <laughs> the pop off is the email you write, but then you delete it because you can't say <laughs> that. It's the text you send, followed by backspace, 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 backspace. It's rage, right? It's this thing that boils over in us, and this is what James uh, is helping us see: like we have to be quick to listen quick, uh, uh, to want to understand and figure out and receive, and not so quick to be heard, not so quick to try and defend ourselves. Again, this is written to Jews that have been dispersed because of persecution. Could you imagine how easy it is in a persecuted space, having been driven from a place that's familiar to you, that you would be in this place wanting to be heard, wanting to be seen, wanting to be respected, I think it's incredible that the gospel, if lived right, it it literally, it's so powerful in us that God could set us anywhere and we thrive if we obey it. Because it fixes the human condition of wanting other people to validate who you are. Some of us are angry because They just won't see who I am. Why don't these people see me? I've been working with these people for four years, and they don't know who I am. Why don't they see my work? Why don't they see how hard? Why don't they see how how faithful, how diligent? Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, even the desire to be seen has to be put away. Even the desire to be recognized has, has to be put on the altar of our hearts. It has to be sacrificed because whether you know it or not, that will lord over you if you let it. Yep. Right. Come on now. Family, unfortunately, even in some churches, there are some people with titles that's upset because they want a bigger title. It's people, it's, okay, let's not make it so spiritual. It's people at your job. <laughs> it's people where you work. Some people, you're the boss, and it's people up under you that want a different type. And if you're not careful, right, the desire to get that next or that more or be seen or be identified for some thing or, or something about them can at any moment become this hindrance, this filth, this rampant wickedness that would cause them to do something dishonorable to get this recognition they seek so bad. According to James, filth in our hearts keeps us from receiving the word that has been implanted inside of us. And James is talking to believers like you and me. So some of us are thinking, well, we're here now. We made the trip to church. We actually came here. Uh, we, we sat through it. Worship was begging. We're here. So surely we're good. And the truth is, even if we are here, we still have to keep actually going through the stuff of our hearts. This is why, Jay, this is why David would say stuff like this. Search me. Like, like, like try me and see." Why? Because he knows he can't be trusted to govern his own heart. Yeah, come on. Like, I, can't, I can't just assume I've forgiven everybody. Literally, we go to God and say, hey, God, I, I feel like I might be good, but, but, but can you search my heart? Can you sift through the stuff that's in the corner that I don't think about, the, the person I haven't bumped into in years? Can you find out if there's some filthiness, that, that some residue of it that's just sticking in the corners of my heart that keeps me from ultimately putting your word into practice? This is why the name of the, of the message today is do or die. Because the truth is we can't afford To just sit and come to church and and be in each other's faces and be in life groups and d groups all the while dying on the inside because we won't do our part to get rid of the filth so that his word can penetrate and produce real growth. You can't. Now, here's the catch. It's very easy to do. It is very, very easy to hear words, hear things taught, hear a message like this and leave and go, they need to do better. The devil specializes in in, in somehow speaking to our ego in moments where we should be receiving it as rebuke. We just take it in stride. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James says that not listening or rushing to speak, rushing to react in anger uh, doesn't produce righteousness, but it produces actually this self-gratifying flesh stuff, this filthy, rampant wickedness that, if left unchecked, constrains our ability to receive, believe, and execute the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I find myself, like when I read this, I'm thinking, where are my blinders, right? Where are the things in my life that have become so normalized in my day-to-day things, in my day-to-day kind of, just the way I carry about, that honestly, I don't even like see it, I just kind of walk past it. Like, have you ever walked past something in your house and then you walked past the second time and was like, no, that is not supposed to be there. Now, I have a lovely wife who, um, I don't know if it's an addiction to Target, but. Let's just say a box turns up at the house that requires me to put it together. Often. You might be watching this. Often, though. And every once in a while, there's a, been a box that's been placed in my office, which, which, which I know what that means. It means there's something that requires my attention. And sometimes I don't know it's there, and I walk in my office, and I'll come back out, and i come back in, and I'm going, Mm-mm, nope, nope. There was not a box about high there last night. Something is different here. Right? And in the same way, What the benefit of community does, and hear me, this is so important, what the benefit of community does is it allows you to share your life with people in such a way where they can help you see the spots you cannot. There are some people that go, man, I I don't know if I see the point in all of this, life groups and D groups and all of these spaces to be together and talk and share. No, the point is to help you areas of your heart and life that may not be apparent to you. Good and bad. For those of us who, who are in D groups or who are in life groups, haven't there been moments where someone else has seen something in you that you didn't see in yourself in that moment? Moments where the perspective of somebody else gave you this refreshing feeling of just the awareness of God, his presence with you? There are some that would say, <laughs> uh, <coughs> erroneously, that, you know, I don't need anybody. I can just, you know, follow God for myself. I'm just going to do my own thing. My mouth is my mouth. My, my life is my life. My, my page is my page. Anybody ever heard that? There's some people that go, no, 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 I, I'm not going to hide what I'm thinking or what I'm saying. I'll say it. And here's what, where I feel like we might, we might be missing it. Like So, so Isaiah, he has this, this encounter uh, with God. We'll take a break. Real, real quick. Isaiah in chapter 6 has this encounter where he sees the throne of God. He sees angels saying, holy, holy, holy. And, and do you know what the first thing that comes out of Isaiah's mouth is? It's not, hey! It's not, oh, this is beautiful. The very first thing Isaiah says as is he's in this incredible experience and the otherness of God becomes very apparent to <laughs> him. Right? Like, God is not like us. I know some of us, we picture a big, our face in our brain when we pray, right? We think God is like us. But the truth is, he's actually other than us. He's actually made of different stuff. He's all together. Every part of him is beautiful. Every part of him is true. Every part of him is right. He isn't like right or true or beautiful or loving. No, he is fully all of these things. He's other than, and when in the presence of this other, Isaiah immediately says, woe is me. I'm unclean and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. What is that? There is an immediate awareness of the distance between him and a holy God. Family, growth in your faith does not start until we are uniquely aware of the distance between where we are now and where our God is calling us to be. Some people won't grow because the truth is they don't see a distance between them and where they think they need to be. You know how hard it is to get somebody to pray that thinks their life is going pretty good prayerless? Why? They're kind of maintaining. Don't get me wrong, When something goes too, too bad, they'll come, they'll holler at us, right? So the first step is this, how we receive the word of God. We receive the word of God humbly. We receive the word of God humbly. When we see receiving it with meekness, um, that means that we come to the word of God with our mouths closed and our ears open. We come to the Word not seeking to, 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 to speak to it, not seeking uh, to, to put our thoughts on it, but rather to receive what it has for you. I think this could change the way we look at time with God in the Word if it wasn't just about, oh, let me punch the clock, oh, let me read the book about you know the other people and all that from back in the day. No, if it became an intimate conversation that God wants to have with you. One that ends with you having very clear next steps that require you to do something about. It. James one twenty two says this, but be doers of the word and, <coughs> excuse me, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who intently looks at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself, he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. In other words, and this right here could be the very theme of the entire book of James. James has said, hey, our relationship with the word to be to receive it humbly, and we have to be doers of the word and not just hearers." By according to James, or God, through James, Uh, That to just receive the word but never put it into action deceives us because it might have us thinking we know more than we do. I got a little experience in this because like I said, I got a teenager and I'm aware that my teenager has overheard me and my wife having conversations. So now she thinks because she heard some stuff that she knows what it's like to take care of a family. You ever had your teenager start making decisions about your money? Like, oh, I ain't that bad, Damn, I mean, you know, you just go work for another couple of weeks and get that next check. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> if it's that easy, how about you go work for a couple of weeks and get the next check? She knows it intellectually, but she doesn't know how to do it. How do we know when she knows how to do it? when she gets to a certain point in her maturity, she will then be tested. Once she's tested, she's either gonna pass or fail. Now don't get me wrong, we'll be there for whatever the verdict is. And to help retake as many times as it requires. But the idea is, We can count it all joy when we fall fall into many different kinds of testing. Why? Because testing makes you or gives you the opportunity to put to work what you've been hearing. So for some of us that are so annoyed when we're in trials and testing, guess what? How would you know how strong you were until you got to lift some heavy? So you can't be in in, in this space where it's like, no, God, no, no, this is not fair. They don't have to lift this. This person doesn't have to do that. This person doesn't have to do. No, no. Why is it all my life I've been lifting heavy stuff? In other words, all your life, God's been giving you the opportunity to put into practice what he has filled on the inside of you. I'm not going to do an example because I don't want to tempt anybody, but my brother Terrence spends time in the gym. And he will tell us uh, that if you're not used to being constantly tested in the area of your weakness, you'll never know what it's like to be strong and bear the marks of it. Why is it so important that we be doers of the word? Because the truth is, it is very simple and easy to hear things you like. To hear a word and become an affectionate hearer. Some of us are blessed here. I mean, we are analytical hearers. Some of us we hear it, and we get the peaks in the part and okay, that's go to this scripture, that's Old Testament, that's New Testament. We are great, and then the trial comes, and all of that knowledge just stays up here. When the time of testing comes, and, and now, yes, we get to glorify our Father in heaven by putting it in work, and then we shrink back. Have you ever had that moment where where you, you thought when you got to the test you would respond a different way than you did? You ever been like, no, no, I got this, I know this, and then the moment comes to do it, and it's like. Because the truth is, if the only knowledge you have of it is intellectual and not experiential, you deceive yourself into thinking you know how to do something you might not know how to do. Now, now, here's the catch. For most of us, and I could can, I can be, this is, this is beautiful to me, uh, most of us, the creative genius of you is literally directly tied to your ability to put your hands on something and do it. So until you actually do it, you don't even know what your creative genius is. In other words, God has uniquely designed you in such a way where as you do it, he exposes who you are more than you know, and he actually exposes places and and areas of your heart where he has already gifted you and graced you to be better than average in an area. But you never find out. Why? Because you're thinking instead of doing. Because you're hearing instead of doing. Can you see that? (sighs) Sonny, I wonder what kind of church we would have if we just had a church the doors. Not more people. No, no, no. I'm not saying we need 100 more people or 200 more people or 300. No, 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 no. I'm not saying we need more money. We're not saying we need a building fund. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Not saying that we're not going, you know, you know not, not talking about building funds. Let's be clear. I don't want that smoke. <laughs> I'm not knocking the building. God bless it. All right. What I'm saying is, uh what are answers to prayer more than these external things is the people that God has given to rise up in obedience to the word they hear so often yes. to do it. Someone say do it. do it to do it, not listen to it. Yeah, you know, you're supposed to love your neighbor and love your enemies. You know it. Have you ever had to do it? Right? Do you realize you even, you even recall something different between it being a piece of information and something you've done? It's easy to recite a scripture that says love thy enemies, but until you have to do it. Like, have you ever had to be the support system for your enemy? You gotta listen to them vent about the stuff in their life. <laughs> See, when you had to do it, you recall it differently. Why? Because you've actually experienced what it's like. It radically changes who you are. It grows you up. If your spiritual life is built on merely listening to the words of Jesus and not on obeying them, then one day your life will eternally and ultimately end up in destruction. That sounds hard, friends. Well, Jesus said not everybody that says, Lord, Lord will make it. But only those that do the will of his Father God. <sighs> we do not get points for what we learned. And still doesn't mean we should not learn. But you don't get points for what you learned. You get points for what we've done with what we've learned. Let's we'll, we'll take a moment, we'll pray right here. I think I feel, this is a good moment of intercession. Father, we pray here and now for everyone that's struggling with obeying you. There are some people, Father, that have been hearing you clearly and for whatever reason, they've been unable to obey. They they try it, they 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 write in their journals, they make plans to obey you, and they fall short. They they miss it. They, we, we haven't learned to get rid of the filthiness, to get rid of the selfishness in our hearts. And God, we wanna obey you. We wanna obey this word that we've heard, we wanna respond to it in obedience. So Father, would you help those who are struggling? Would you uh, supernaturally encourage and exhort them? Cause there to be a text or a scripture that shows up at just the right moment. Let it be uh, uh, anything throughout the day that just encourages, that pushes them over the hump, that they would get to taste what it's like to obey you, to know what it's like to fulfill the work, to do the work that you've given us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we got to end this now. Time's low. So he said, uh, uh, we got to be doers of the word because if we're not doers of the word, we become people uh, who look into a mirror Walk away and forget what we see. Now, uh, uh, you might see that mirror and go, okay, all right. How how is it possible to see your face in a mirror, walk away and forget it, right? If I'm brown skinned in the mirror, I'm going to be brown skinned when I walk away. I should keep that, that should be easy. Uh, the issue is this isn't that kind of mirror. See, the word of God is a special kind of mirror, a kind of mirror that shows you exactly who and where you are and that shows you where we are going, which is Jesus the Christ. All right, let's be clear. All right, it's always Jesus. Let's be clear. Uh, uh, your maturity doesn't look like your parents. God bless you. It doesn't look like uh, your, 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 your mother. It doesn't look like Pastor Sonny. It doesn't look like fun No, no. Uh, what does maturity look like for you? Jesus. That's what it looks like. Jesus. Yeah, all things new. Now, that doesn't mean uh, to not glean and to learn from people. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? That's the thing. Uh, but let's be clear. This isn't about personalities. We're not trying to make a bunch of copies of us. Everybody should be walking around with Tim's and Air Maxes? If you want to, that's cool. The point is this is ultimately about Jesus. He is who God wants to see when he looks at Detroit, not us. The win, the W, ain't, oh, look, God, our whole church is, is cool or talks this way or acts this way. No, no, the win is that everybody is doing the word and everyone is seeing fruit come to bear on their lives through the spirit of God. This is the win, all right? So this idea uh, of looking at the mirror and forgetting what it sees means uh, that without the word or without responding to it appropriately, we see what needs to happen and we walk away and do nothing. We see uh, what God wants to do in us, what he wants to teach us and how he wants to grow us up. But then because we don't look at the mirror of the word, because we don't receive it humbly, because we don't do it, it becomes this list of suggestions for us somehow. Can I be honest with you? I am terrified that the commands of God would ever feel like a suggestion to me. It scares me. Like I don't want to get so comfortable with, with, with my, 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 my worldliness ultimately. I don't want to get so comfortable so cool, so lazadaisical uh, so mellow <clears throat> that a command from God appears to be a suggestion to me. It's not a suggestion to read the word, to receive this implanted word which can save yourself. That is not a suggestion, yeah, yeah. which means not doing it is sin. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Oh. Right. Now, don't go, don't you, don't go talking. Find said, no, no. God said through James. Oh. <laughs> he said it. All right? He said it, and it's true. And here's the thing, and we know it, true. We know when we've been overexposing our senses to filth. We know. Like, like come on, there's been times where you're riding or you're listening, and that's one too many hip hop albums for the month. Come on. Come on. Right? If you're single, that's just one too many her songs for you. You need to let this next one, you need to skip that. You need to skip it. You need, it's all right. It's okay. You're not weak. You're not bad. There's nothing wrong with you. You're still cool. You are? This is what we do. I don't know why they did this to us. We were young. We grew up in church. And so we, we, we they, they make you think that doing old stuff is, is like, you know, cool. That's, that's like the Christ thing to do, is to do what the older person would do. No, it's okay. You can be young and still be wise enough to know listening to that right now is gonna cause you problems. Shout out to young Detroit. That it gets a, a culture of being able to say, hey, yeah, I know we could do that, but right now, I don't need to do that right now. And maybe you don't need it. Can we normalize holding each other accountable? Is that cool? That's not cool. All right. So we look into this mirror, and we walk away, <coughs> and we don't obey it. Because, again, we see this differently. My, my friend, who's not my friend, I think, I think we would be friends if we haven't met. Jackie Hill Perry says this in her book. Uh, holier than thou she says we are prone to look into god's law with some strange confidence some inner assurance or ego that exaggerates our own abilities produced by none other than flesh the spirit of our age is to work endlessly to excel (laughs) at everything and to rest never i'm gonna say that again the spirit of our age is to work endlessly Excel at everything and rest never. And we bring that into our quest for God. (sighs) James is wise enough to help us at the point of both our our, our deepest need and our greatest area of opportunity. He's he's, he's wise enough because, obviously, through the the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, he knows that the the, the fulcrum, if you will, uh, right between us uh, uh, falling or failing and us exceeding in a crazy kind of way depends on how we let the Word change our words. Like If you receive it in such a way, it will impact you and it will literally transform who you are and it will change you from the inside out. There's so many verses. We don't have time to read them all, but but there's so many scriptures that speak to this, this us being changed uh, from the inside out. Now, I'm a, I'm a, we're going to wrap it up. <clears throat> Verse 25 says this, uh, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and pers- uh, perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he, or in his doing, rather. In other words, the person who sees the word, who takes it for what it is, who receives it humbly, who obeys it, that person, God, will bless in their doing. In other words, bless them in addressing what that mirror has shown them they need to address. In other words, this, the obedience, that God's word requires, God's word empowers. The obedience that his word requires is also empowered by the same word. Now, man, for some of us, that should be exciting. Because it means you don't just have to sit here and try real, real hard. It's not just, ooh, I'm gonna focus, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, there's actually help in his word of how to receive his word and how to do it and put it into action. Somebody say amen. When the Bible calls it the perfect law, the perfect law in James refers uh, not just to an Old Testament law of Moses, but rather the understood law through Christ that is the words of Jesus and the truth of Jesus that sets us free from slavery in this world. The blessed one is the one who perseveres as a doer, the one who chooses to take God at his word and believe and obey. And this brings us to our last two verses, and I'm done. We can even start to bring the band, that's how you know, I'm actually done. <clears throat> I wouldn't have them come for no reason. James one twenty six and one twenty seven says this, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. We're going to read this again. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue or control his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. According to God through James, religion uh, or or religious practices that do not uh, 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 give you power, enable you to control your tongue, are actually useless, worthless, meaningless. Verse 27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. To visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, I'm out of time, but notice how slight the devil is in his, uh, 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 his contamination of these things. Uh, pure religion is one that is openly generous those without. Openly generous and giving to those that don't have and is intent about uh, keeping ourselves spotless or or personal holiness in a sense. In other words, charity and chastity, right? There's this notion of of being loving and being giving and generous with our resources and uh, understanding that we cannot be friends with the world. And James goes into this deeper in this book, and we'll talk about it uh, in a few weeks to come, Uh, but the Bible goes very, very deep. James takes actually a lot of time to explain what that friendliness with the world looks like, but how crazy is it that for so long, the devil has contaminated and switched these things? For some reason, when it comes to being generous, we become very closed, and when it comes to uh, uh, holy criticism, we become very open. Super slight. When it comes to giving and doing for the poor, we be, we, oh, oh no, 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 you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. At the same time, when it comes to living spotless from the world, ourselves, most of us think of religion as something that's always telling another person or another group how to be spotless instead of it being a personal thing. Where I wrestle with when I read this, if I'm honest, family, a month ago, I definitely would have said, oh, I'm not religious. I definitely would have been like, oh. I know some of you are like, not you. Yeah, I might have said it. I'm not a lie. I grew up very religious. So to put a clear delineation, I might have said, you know what, I'm not religious. It's about re- a matter of fact, I think I might have had a T-shirt. To say this. The idea is, I would have said, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with Jesus. What I've come to understand here is the problem isn't being religious. The problem is the religion you made. According to the Bible, if anybody thinks they're religious and they, they haven't even learned how to bridle their tongue, his religion is useless. That's what James said. In other words, <laughs> here's, some of you are thinking, no, I wouldn't make a religion. I wouldn't do that. Well, here's the thing. If you can make an idol, why can't you make a religion? It ain't that being religious is bad, it's your religion is bad. We can't make our own space, our own rules, our own things that we abide by. When the Bible is very clear, true religion or pure and fire religion means you learn to control your tongue, it means you learn to be generous with those who don't have, those who are without, and it means you are committing yourself To be God's and to belong to him alone in this world. I don't know about you, but I find myself having to repent every other word in this verse. Because I know in trying not to be religious, I've been exactly that. The thing I fear most come up me. Trying not to be like them. trying not to be one of those kind of people. And I became one of those kind of people. See, we were thinking that, that, that you know, uh, it, it's, it's the people who are pointing the finger, the people who are in everybody else's business, the people who are, are kind of constantly trying to behavior modify everybody around them. But what are we doing if we keep receiving the word and never doing it? There's nothing else to do but behavior modify If you're not actually going to do the work to change the heart to cause it to do something different, all you have is behavior modification. There's nothing else. So if you're like me, when you hear what true religion is, I just want to repent. I want to say, God, I, I, I missed it. I was looking at, at this person, at that person, at this thing, at that thing, my eyes weren't on God. I, I was. It's like it's like Isaiah. Uh, we, we when we see who God is, when we actually look into this mirror, we buckle under the weight of our sin. We we buckle under the weight of how wrong we are. We say just like he did, "Woe is me! I'm I'm not right. I'm not like this holy God I'm beholding." The only way we don't live like that is if. We are in a space where we serve a God that is made in our image. Because then, you don't feel bad. If your God looks like you, if your God is as busy as you are, if your God is as hungry as you are, if your God is as hustling as you are, then when you see it, there's no distance, there's no space, there's no need for growth. But when we see God, as we are, as he is, we want to fall on our face and come to the altar of our hearts and say, God, forgive me, please. So we'll do it here. (coughs) We'll pray. (coughs) God, holy God, awesome God, righteous God, one that there is no falsehood. There is no error in. God, you are the only one worthy of worship. You are the only one that is worthy of of our lives. You are the only one that deserves every breath we breathe. You alone stand as king of the universe. You alone are the only one with no beginning. Everything else has been made and fashioned and created, and yet, God, you are the one that stands alone apart from his creation. And God, forgive us for treating you like a created thing. We've treated you, Father, like something uh, uh, that, that, that we can put in our pockets or something tangible in our backpacks or our cars or, or our homes or our shelves, Father. We've, we've removed you from your holy place in our hearts. Treated your word like a suggestion instead of the command that it is. And Father, we repent now. God, we're so sorry. We felt like you weren't speaking. We've, we've, we've said, why aren't you talking to us? Why are you silent? And the truth is, you have been speaking all along. Through your word, you keep speaking to us every second of every day. You keep Calling out to us from the scriptures, Father, forgive us for not making time. Forgive us for not clearing the filth, not clearing the rampant wickedness out of our hearts. We, Father, will be doers of your word. Doers of your word, Father, not just here. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you and amen.
0: Wow, we're so grateful that God has blessed us with such amazing communicators of his word. And more than our voice, we hope you're hearing the voice of our God calling out to you with love and truth. Listen, if you'd like to connect with us through prayer or just to learn more about us, you can visit our website at DetroitChurch.com. We are so glad that Jesus is still making all things new. (laughs) So until next time, we will see you. Have a blessed week. Peace.